call the meeting uh, to order. And we have a quorum and everybody for set, right? I think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, first uh, item is uh, approval of the minutes of the February 26th, 2018 meeting. Uh, a call to uh, a vote on item 1A of the minutes. I have a motion to Second. Second. The motion. Second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. I abstain because I wasn't here. Uh, nays, abstention. Uh, we're, we're passed, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. we're passed. Okay. <clears throat> um, is, the word is not here. So, Hillary is going to Okay. Uh, Hillary Fine is going to present items 1B1, 1B2, and 1B3. Thank you. Um, it's late in the day, so we'll try to do this relatively quickly. Um, so the first item are, is uh, a proposed plan or amendment to the Charter of Governance for Hostos Community College. Um, these are relatively minor amendments. They basically uh, change the way that adjunct faculty members are elected and represented at HOSTOS. The two adjunct faculty members are going to be, um, under these amendments, elected at large and for a year rather than a semester. Um, and in addition, there are um, two units that are changing. The charter is adding the media design unit to the Department of Humanities and renaming the public administration unit, the public policy and law unit. And finally, the proposed plan would make the grants committee of, in the charter a little bit more robust, allowing for review of grant proposals at all stages and provide for support and outreach to faculty to help them apply for grants. I'll just say the uh, faculty are very supportive of this and very glad that it's uh, finally come up to the Board of Trustees. Uh, can I call for a motion to approve item 1B1? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? Item is passed. Uh, 1B2. Okay, so the second item involves amendments to the governance plan of the College of Staten Island. Um, these are more extensive than the ones for hostess, although uh, not in any way controversial from the point of view of our office. So basically, the uh, amendments to the governance plan had been under discussion for several years, and the last changes hadn't been made since 2009. And so mainly, it's, it's a cleanup to reflect changes that were made at the college that were not yet reflected in the governance plan. Uh, in particular, the addition of representation for new schools at CSI. Um, in addition, there are um, new committees that are being formed and added to the plan, and um, uh, discussion and changes in certain um, timetables and methods for elected representatives. Um, and if there are any Further questions, we do have representatives from the College of Staten Island who can answer more specifically. Uh, any discussion? I'll just note I also reached out to faculty governance on this. Uh, I was somewhat surprised by the fact that it uh, was passed by referendum, but um, he assured me that it had ample faculty support. Um, I think they passed with a 90% uh, approval on the referendum, 
And uh, again, as you were saying, it cleans up the paperwork to reflect existing practice. So. Call for a motion. So moved. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. All opposed? Item is passed. 1B3. Okay, 1B3 are amendments to the Academic Senate Charter at Queens College. And once again, these are not major changes. Uh, the first change would redistribute some student seats that were specifically held for adult co collegiate education students and students from the graduate division. And because the, there's been declining enrollment, instead those uh, seats will become at-large seats where students in both those programs will be able to run to fill the at-large seats. It also uh, revises selection and review procedures for academic officers. The plan currently calls for review every five years, which would be changed to as needed. But in addition, it would specifically include Senate nominees on search committees uh, for provost and chief librarian positions. Again, faculty are in favor. Uh, motion? I move. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? Item is passed. That completes our policy calendar. I will move on to the Chancellor's University report items. Interim Vice Chair Slayer Egan, please present items 1C1 and 1C4. Sure. So um, item 1C1 is the appointment of Todd Michael Gallitz as Vice President for Institutional Advancement at Brooklyn College. The President of Brooklyn College recommends the appointment of Dr. Todd Michael Gallitz as Vice President of Institutional Advancement. Dr. Gallitz has more than 20 years of experience in development and institutional advancement, particularly in higher education, having worked for Columbia, Brown, and the Pratt Institute. Uh, Mr. Chair, I present item 1C1 for the committee's consideration. Any discussion? A motion? So moved. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. All opposed? Item is passed. 1C2. 1C2 is the appointment of Narita Seals as Vice President for Student Affairs at LaGuardia Community College. Uh, Dr. Seals has served as LaGuardia's Interim Vice President for Student Affairs since July of 2017. Prior to that appointment, she served in the capacities of Associate Dean for Student Access and Advancement and Assistant Dean for Student Affairs. Dr. Seals has more than 15 years experience in executive administration positions in higher education including leadership roles at the Silberman School of Social Work at Hunter College, the City College of New York's Gateway Academy, and DeVry Institute of Technology. I present item 1C2 for the committee's consideration. Discussion? Motion? I move. Second? Second. All in favor? Aye. All opposed? 1C2 is approved. 1C3. Uh, 1C3 is the appointment of Susan Ebersole as Vice President for Institutional Advancement and Executive Director of the Lehman College Foundation. Uh, Ms. Ebersole has a successful record of bolstering the institutions she has worked with, which include the New York Philharmonic Parsons School of Design at the New School and the Cardozo School of Law at Yeshiva University. I present item 1C3 for the committee's consideration. Discussion? Motion? Second. 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 All in favor? Aye. All opposed? 1C3 is approved. 
Um, item 1-4 is the appointment of Harriet R. Fain as Provost and Senior Vice President for Academic Affairs and Student Success at Lehman College. Um, the President of Lehman College is pleased to recommend the appointment of Dr. Fain as Provost and Senior Vice President for Academic Affairs and Student Success. Uh, she served in an interim capacity since 2016. Prior to her, to her interim appointment, she served for five years as Dean of Lehman School of Education. Before joining Lehman, Dr. Fain was Dean of the School of Professional Studies at or Otterbane University and chaired its education department for 16 years. I present item 1C4 for the committee's consideration. Discussion? So moved. Second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? 1C4 is approved. We now have three information items. Vice Chancellor Bryant, please report on item 2A. Um, right, in the hall. Oh, I think oh, go I'm sorry. Grab her? I'll grab her. Yeah. Do the next one. Um, what we can do is go to um, uh, 2B, uh, sure. Vice right. Chancellor uh, Martinez. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. And I would defer to Jane Sovereign, Deputy General Counsel, to give a brief uh, overview of why we're giving you a heads up on upcoming changes to the policy on sexual misconduct. Thank you. So, um, the, uh, as you know, um, the current policy, um, which was adopted in 2015, um, requires a number of changes in part to comply with the New York State Enough is Enough law and the, uh, the implementation of the Enough is Enough law that we learned about in the audit uh, of the university's campuses last summer by the state. Additionally, there have been some changes in federal guidance uh, which have allowed us to move towards some best practices or to have full compliance with both state law and federal law without some of the discomfort that we had before. Um, so this, um, the uh, draft of the revised policy was sent out widely on Friday, this past Friday. Um, with the idea being that there will be opportunity for significant discussion of this um, before uh, going to the board's June meeting. Um, it will be an action item for the Student Affairs and Special Programs Committee, uh, but an information item for this committee because it does affect staff, uh, faculty and staff, as well as students. Um, so essentially, you have a sheet that lists uh, really the, the major changes, which are almost all necessitated by law or audit. And then there are two changes that are not mandatory um, that are really in response to OCR guidance. Um, one is to provide a clear, informal resolution process for cases that don't involve sexual assault. Um, and, and when all parties consent and the campus approves. And the other is to change the time frame for the completion of investigations and reports uh, from a total of 60 days to a total of 90 days, which is not only will we think, do we think that will provide better investigations and reports, it will also put us in line with new state law and city law that have just come into effect. 
Um, so uh, we there'll be a, a robust consultation process. We are working to set up a meeting with students, student leaders, with student affairs staff, and our office uh, in the first week of May to have an opportunity for questions and discussion. We've met with UFS folks and, and intend to consult and uh, answer questions as widely as possible over the next month or so, uh, and look forward to uh, having this move to uh, get us into full compliance um, so we can go forward with making necessary um, improvements in training and um, scope of training at the university going forward. Any questions? This does not require a motion. No, I was just curious. So you say here June, is that the expectation when the finished policy will be in place? Uh, yes, we expect it to come to the to the June committee and then the June uh, board, board meeting. Board meeting, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Any further questions on? Okay, we'll go uh, to Vice Chancellor Bryant on the proposed revised naming guidelines. Yes. So I wanted to call to your attention um, a few places where the guidelines have changed. There, are, there were um, 18 different opportunities across two tiers, and now there are 24 across five tiers. Um, there are now new opportunities for the specialty schools where none had existed previously. Um, there, uh, this is, the document is not intended to be a one-size-fits-all in any way, shape, or form. It's actually virtually impossible to do that. But I tried as best as I could to get as much um, information in as possible to provide for each of the colleges and the schools the tools they need to actually push um, donor conversations in a different kind of direction. So um, we've expanded the number of opportunities. There are um, percentage ranges that I think would be helpful, especially around the more significant naming opportunities. For example, the buildings, if you take a look at that first page of the document, you'll see that there's a 10 to 25%, I think, um, range, which will, I think, move uh, the conversation from accepting gifts as they come versus having a more robust conversation about what a gift could be. So for example, if a donor presents a $20 million uh, gift opportunity, we want to be able to know that that number is the right number versus just accepting it because it's a rather large uh, commitment. So if, um, if a building, for example, is a $300 building, the guidelines now provide a different kind of um, uh, an opportunity for you to really right-size the gift conversation with the donor. People understand where I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to describe? So that you'll see that if it's a $300 million building opportunity, a building, that a $20 million gift, even though it sounds like a very large number, is probably not the right number, given the new percentage range. For a $300 million building, a $30 billion gift would be more appropriate. Are there any questions about what I've presented? Yes. No, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what is the current rate of the namings of these buildings? So it had been set at um, very specific numbers at 15, for example, and 10. 15 for senior colleges and 10 for community colleges. Um, and then the non-publicly funded were at cost, cost basis. 
Whereas I think that when you have a larger, more significant naming opportunity, there needs to be some flexibility around what the number could be, some guidance around percentage ranges, and uh, a prerequisite conversation with, with the chancellor to really determine what that number should be. And, sorry, and how, how many of them are currently fully named? Of the building? That I don't know. Okay. Not many. Yeah, I think it's a ripe opportunity, actually. There are a lot of unnamed buildings. Um, there may be some nobody wants to name until they get fixed oh, up true. a little bit. <laughs> that's true. Um, my question had to do with the uh, existing policy, which is in the Manual of General Policy, uh, number eight. And, um, you know, what you had presented to us was a chart, essentially, and whereas the other thing is a fully written out policy and so forth. And I was wondering, it, was this supposed to replace, was the chart supposed to replace the written naming policy, is the naming, written naming policy going away, or is the chart going to be rewritten into a you know, fully-fledged naming policy? Correct. The chart that I presented replaces the chart that exists, and the, pre, the preamble, which is the policy, mm -hmm. needs to be updated. Right. Okay. So that will be updated yes, and so will. forth. Okay. That was my question. Any further questions on this? Can I ask, so what happens procedurally now? Does this get voted on as by the trustee? What, what, what happens now with these guidelines and revised? Actually, I don't know. That's a question. So I think this is coming just for information at this point. At this yes. point and then there will be further revision before it comes back to the board for approval. That's my understanding. Yes. Fair enough. Okay. Um, the last item information uh, refers to the reappointment of a faculty member with early tenure um, and calling on Dean Torres to present. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so the so item 2C is just a is a an information item that's a reappointment of faculty with I see, early I, tenure. I, read it wrong. I, I apologize. Yeah. So it's on here. Now I'm calling on Dean Torres to read the diversity report. And while Dean Torres is, is coming up, I've had several conversations with Trustee Cortez Vasquez about the quarterly diversity report and changes that she would like to see. So, um, so we're sort of going through this iterative process of what the, what the report will probably ultimately look like. Um, and so Dean Torres is going to talk through sort of the current, the broad current state across the university, and then a couple of charts that break down um, faculty and staff, and then administrative uh, statistics by college. So good afternoon, early evening. Um, so what um, what you were provided with was just a, a very basic breakdown of the status of the faculty in 2017 and also uh, the status of the combined executive, administrative, and managerial staff across CUNY. And what I want to do to, for the purposes of, um, of discussion is just to give you a very, very broad overview and then tease out a couple of examples to give you a sense of where we're going with this data. So the percentage of total minority faculty 
in federally underrepresented groups increased from 34.6% to 35.3% uh, from 2016 to 2017. And we hired 145 full-time faculty from these underrepresented groups. However, that needs to be tempered due to the separations as a result of non-reappointment, resignation, and retirement. So the net increase across these minority groups is only 64. And while the number of new hires and percentages increased as compared to the last five years of data that I've taken a look at, and an overall change in a positive direction is taking place, it is limited by the number of departures. And so we need to do a really robust analysis that's not included here, this is a direction we want to head in, is to better understand those departures relative to the number um, that are being hired so that we get a much clearer understanding of the workforce. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, so the departures, are they um, commensurate rank with those who are coming in? Are we talking about people in the early stages of their career or people at the middle stages? Do, do you know that? Um, we don't have a full understanding of it, but the majority of the departures are retirements. Are retirements, that's what I wonder. Yeah. So they are on... Um, uh, along the associate professor, full professor range, and then the new hires are predominantly along the assistant professor and associate professor. Right. So. so permit me to provide you with one specific example based on the data that you have um, available to you. So the number of African Americans, for example, increased by eight from 932 in 2016 to 940 in 2017, but the percentage remains steady at 12%. And last year, 50 African Americans, or 51% of the total new hires, became part of the workforce. Now one sees this as a positive gain, and but again, it has to be tempered because we had about 42 separations um, due to non-reappointment, resignation, and retirement. And what we are doing now is we're also taking a closer look at exit surveys as individuals leave the institution to better understand those resignations and those non-reappointments. Um, so as the Vice Chancellor indicated, this is kind of an iterative process, and as we learn more, we're discovering the kinds of questions that we need to continually ask to get a better sense of the workforce. So if we move to, um, to a second chart, um, we note that the representation of full-time faculty varies across CUNY campuses for total minority and then more specifically across each ethnic and racial group. And so for the purposes of this discussion, if we focus on one or two colleges to help to contextualize the data, um, we get a better understanding of what we're trying to do. If you look at um, New York City Tech, it has a total representation of um, faculty in underrepresented groups of 
and that's higher than the total number, than the total percentage of uh, faculty and underrepresented groups university-wide, which is at 35.3%. 17.7% are Asian American as compared to the university-wide percentage rate for Asian Americans of 12.9. And, and similarly, 12.8 are African American as opposed to 12% university-wide. We note that this past year, New York City Tech hired three African-American full-time faculty, and while this numeric increase might seem really small, because of the percentage rates, it will increase the percentage rate substantially. Um, what we are doing now is we're looking at every specific college to understand that total representation as well as the disaggregate information for each racial and ethnic group. So the subsequent pages that you have in the report demonstrate where the colleges sit relative to one another to give us a clearer understanding of that relationship, but again, to also help us better understand uh, where some difficulties exist across race and ethnic groups for a particular college. Because while some college may be doing really well when it comes to African Americans, they may not be doing well at all when it comes to Asian Americans or Latinos. But if we are only looking at the total of the federal representation, they may look a lot better in that scale. So we're starting to ask the question, um, where are the challenges when it comes to specific race and ethnic groups, and then following from that, what are the kinds of strategies that are being developed, not only at the campus level, but at the department level to understand the hiring, the search, the hiring process, and the retention process. And so in keeping with that, what we have done together with the um, Chancellor's Faculty Diversity Working Group Committee, we have asked the campuses to develop search plans to address underutilization for race, ethnic, and gender groups at the campus level and at the department level. And then we've asked each department that has conducted a search, that is currently conducting a search, to give us a sense of what the applicant pool was, how many individuals did they interview, who made the shortlist, and who was made an offer along race, ethnic, and gender got, um, indicators to then help us match that with the challenges that we see in these broader statistics that I presented to you today. So over the course of a year, our expectation is that we'll have uh, various sets of data to make that kind of comparative and detailed analysis. Um, we are engaged in a similar kind of process to better understand the executive, um, managerial, and administrative ranks, and that really is just at its beginnings. What we've gathered is the comparative data across the campuses. 
but what we need to do is a similar kind of working group, if you will, to study the uh, search and hiring process for the um, executive managerial ranks. And similarly, we've started to engage in a real robust analysis of the um, individuals who are retiring and we're finding out or separating for other reasons, but we're finding out that a huge number of the separations in the administrative ranks are uh, retirements. So we are seeing kind of a sea change taking place. And what we need to then think about is what do we want the numbers to look like over the next three years, over the next five years, so we need to begin to project out where we're going to have gaps and how we're going to fill those. Can I ask you a question? So when, when you have executive and managerial, I, I understand that. The administrative, what does that mean? Does that also include just anyone in central office from the secretary up to? No, it does not. So um, <clears throat> we use categories based on the affirmative action plans and the um, administrative managerial ranks as well as the executive ranks are individuals that are above associate um, heel which is um, a higher education officer so someone who is in the administrative rank has to be above that uh, and executives are deans and up and then uh, the managerial have to be the classified managerial who are at the highest level. So there are several kinds oh, of So there are three levels. Right. Because once you're an administrative, but you reach a certain level, then you become an executive, classified as executive, even though no. you no, it's like this then it separates out. It separates out. And then managerial though is just, you have to be a certain level high up. But it's Correct. really three tiers kind of? No, it's no. actually three separate groupings. Three separate groupings. But uh, when, when I make reference in this report to executive, administrative, and managerial, they're the highest levels in, in those three categories. But then the deans are, so then one is academic? Is the executive academic? No. You said the deans. The deans belong oh, to the, the executive. Executive. Deans and above. So, I, I mean, I, at I some point, I can provide you with a list. Yeah, can I get a, a, a? But can I also get a breakdown for executive, administrative, and managerial, since they're the top positions, right, managerially in the CUNY system, and there are three different branches, and I'd right. love to just see the three different breakdowns. Certainly, we have that. <laughs> Thank you. Other questions? Um, I just wanted to know, what is the percentage increase in the faculty lines? Um, so I don't have on hand the, the percentage increase uh, across each faculty, uh, um, for each campus. What I can give you in terms of numbers is, for example, um, we, we had a total increase university-wide of 331 faculty. I'm sorry, full-time faculty. That's correct. Okay. Full-time faculty. 331? That's the net increase? That's the number of new hires. How many people retired or left? Uh, 
so the number of individuals that retired, I don't have those numbers with me, um, but I can get you those numbers. But you did say it was a net of 64 or something like that. That was for the um, minority underrepresented. But not across the board. Right. Any further questions? Okay, there's, I see no further business uh, for the committee. Uh, motion to adjourn. Motion. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Meeting is adjourned. <laughs>